Amen. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke 7. Again, it's page 729. Page 729. We're looking at a, a splendid story that's true, an account of the Lord Jesus Christ doing this incredible miracle. Nothing's worse than death. There's nothing more final. There's nothing more to, to just take away everything from us. Death is final. And we're looking here at the Lord Jesus Christ who has power over death. I just want to get across to you two things today. The power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we're, if we're honest, life isn't easy. Life is hard. Life is tough. And we do not, do not know what will happen next week. We do not know what happens tomorrow. But if you're a Christian believer here today, if you can just grasp the power of Christ and the compassion of Christ, you will have a, a new joy and you will have a great peace. We have this account here, and it's true. We see here the mercy, the love of Christ. I want you to use your imagination. So here we are in the hot Middle East. A funeral has happened. In the days of uh, ancient Israel, a widow, life was hard. In a society there, if your husband died and you're a widow, life could be really tough and you are very dependent on your children. Here we have this poor woman and you have two groups of people, Jesus and the crowd following him, the disciples, and you have, and they're full of joy, they're full of praise, isn't Jesus great, isn't Jesus good, look at what he can do. And then you have the other crowd, they're going to a funeral. They're sad. They're struggling. They have heavy hearts. And you think of this widow. Her husband, at some time previously, she'd lost her husband. And now her only son dies. Use your imagination. Some of you won't have to. And imagine how this woman feels. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town, literally it says city, called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. Notice the timing. As he approached, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. And look at these words. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. I put it to you, there's probably no sadder verse, perhaps, in the New Testament. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So here's this woman coming out. She's probably a pious believer in God. She woke up that morning thinking, I'm now going to bury my only son and my husband isn't even here to help me. Feel that pain. Feel her saying, you know, where is God? Why has this happened to me? How am I going to get out of this one? The agony. The despair. Near the gate of the city was a place where the citizens often gathered. Listen to this quote. The woman was now all alone in the world, 
without a male protector and provider, she must have been in tremendous difficulties, especially in the context of the times. So we're going for, uh, and remember in those days you, you would hire a few mourners as well for your funeral service. So just feel that pain, feel that despair, finality of death. Why has this happened to me? And then the slow walk. People was buried outside of the communities. Think of that crowd. Why such a large crowd with her? They felt sorry for her. They just felt this poor girl, you know, this poor lady. I reckon probably the whole town were there. How could this happen? We can give her as much support as we can. So there was a huge depth of sympathy there, but what could they do? Nothing. Because death is final. Death is the one thing. You can be the richest person in the world. You can't do anything about death. You can be at the best hospital in the world. You can do nothing about death. And now we have this completely opposite crowd of those coming with Jesus. It's interesting, Jesus is called the Lord for the first time here in, in Luke's narrative. He's called the Lord. And these are some of the most wonderful verses, I believe, in Holy Scripture. When the Lord saw her, and this is just incredible, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Who is the Lord? Curios, the Greek. I suffered so much in Greek and Hebrew, I have the right to throw it in here and there. And I was not good at it. Curios just means Lord. What's it saying? He is the Lord. In charge of everything. All power. Do anything he wants. And God in his sovereignty. This is no accident. This was all in God's plan and purpose. And we learn so many incredible things. God is powerful. And Jesus Christ. Remember who is Jesus? He is God. He is almighty. Omnipotent. Eternal, everlasting God, the Son, second member of the Trinity, God in the flesh. Here's this woman walking out of town thinking, this is terrible. This is horrible. What am I going to do? And in that shimmering heat of the Middle Eastern sun, as she carries her only son, she's probably thinking, why? Why? And in that shimmering heat, there's another crowd coming. And they're more joyous. Because they're happy there with Jesus. And they've been seeing him do incredible works. They've been, they've been, many of them, healed. Cured. And they're a happy crowd. And it's like you've got this sad funeral crowd coming this way. And a happy crowd. Maybe singing. Praising. There's smiles. And you can't get more opposite. Probably the saddest crowd in the New Testament coming out of town and one of the happiest crowds coming in. In a day where there were many illnesses and sickness and Christ had done all these healings. Why? Context is, this shows who I am. Jesus says, I am the Son of God. I am God. Do you believe me? Open the eyes of the blind. 
I can make the blind see, the deaf hear, I can raise the dead. That proves I am all-powerful. And there's this woman thinking, that's all I need. A crowd having a good time. A crowd following a big preacher. And there's Jesus Christ, and he knows who this woman is. He knows she's there. He knows how she feels. And Jesus says, I'm going to... I'm going to sort this one out. This poor woman. Jesus is actually spoiling a funeral. He's interrupting a funeral. Jesus has this habit of interrupting funerals. And he's going to raise this person from the dead. Even his own death, remember, wasn't final. He came back from the dead. So I love to, you, to, to see these two crowds of you know, diametrically opposed emotions coming together and Jesus Christ is there. And Jesus Christ is going to spoil this funeral. And Jesus Christ is saying to himself, this is too much. This is too much. This is too much for this woman. And I'm going to do something about it. And again, I've mentioned the power of God. But then look at the compassion. Jesus Christ in that big crowd... No doubt, every day for him was very busy and very demanding. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. And like many of us at funerals and in difficult times, you know, words can just be words. And again, feel the confusion. That widow is saying, probably to herself, and I'm imagineering a bit, my husband is dead. And I totally relied on my son. He was everything to me. And now he has died. And you, Mr. Preacher, are telling me, don't cry. Don't cry. And I just love this. This is Jesus. Remember, who is God? What is God like? I have shelfuls of books on theology and you can read about what God is like, which is, which is great. The Bible tells us what God is like, but ultimately, God is like Jesus. Jesus is God. So, do you want to know, Martin Luther said, do you want to know what God's like? Look at the life of Jesus. God is not some big angry God. Does get angry sometimes. Jesus got angry sometimes. But this is Jesus, and his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. And again, as every miracle you see in in the New Testament, there is confusion. And and, and there'll be confusion here. The crowds are probably saying, who's this guy? Who's this crazy guy? He walks into a funeral and says, don't cry. Doesn't even know the woman. But this is God in the flesh. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. And here he comes. Then he went up and touched the coffin. Literally touched the beer. And that is not what you drink. That was the name, what the beer was called. It was a flat panel on which the body was put and then uh, shrouded over the body. And that was a sign at a funeral just to say stop. Stop. He stopped the funeral. Again, can you imagine the confusion? Can you imagine going to a funeral and you're a complete stranger, and you just kind of stop the whole proceedings, can you start seeing the confusion and the frustration? 
This was a sign. Stop. And that would be recognized and accepted by many. Stop. And Jesus is saying here, you're not going to suffer. I'm going I'm to bring an end to part of your suffering. You're not going to lose your son. You've lost your husband, not your son. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. That would be expected. That was a custom of the time. And then he said, not to the woman. He said it to the man, to the young man who had died. These incredible words. And again, you can imagine the confusion. Imagine the perplexity. And I believe at this point, they are probably even more sad and more distressed. You know, my husband has died. My son has died. I'm alone in the world. The people in this community feel sorry for me. And you know, that'll, be, that'll last for a while and then things die down and everyone gets back to normal. And we got, got some of the professional mourners that you hired. It was the custom. One of the Jewish uh, writings said, even the poorest in Israel should hire not less than two flutes and one wailing woman. Sounds amusing, but that's what they did. That's what they did. This widow is thinking, how much worse can my day get? You know, how much more horrible can my life get? You know, Lord God, what are you doing? Why? She was probably a pious believer in God. Perhaps, we don't know exactly. But can you just think, now someone's interrupting the funeral of my son and stopping it and interfering and telling me not to cry. She's probably just about to collapse and faint. He said to the young man, I say to you, it's an imperative and it's a command, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. I think there is no more tender words in the New Testament than this. Jesus Christ, let's remind ourselves, who is he? He's God. He is the creator of the world. My favorite illustration that I've used over and over, probably fed up with it back at my home church, uh, is the planet Jupiter. Planet Jupiter has, I believe, someone's going to correct me on this, has 57 moons that go around it. 57! 57 moons go around the planet Jupiter, and one of them goes the opposite direction from all the others. Please don't let that be any astronomers in here. <clears throat> and God does all that. That's one little speck in this huge universe, the Jupiter, the biggest planet. 59 moons going round, and one goes the opposite direction, and God controls all that. God orders all that. Places you've never gone to. There are places in the Amazon jungle where there are little plants and ponds and rivers with whole ecosystems and life that no human being has ever seen and no one will see. I like to think of the Amazon jungle and a little pond there that no human being has seen because it's so big. And yet God cares for all those little creatures there. God is so powerful. But here we have this compassion. And Jesus said, why did the dead man sit up? Because then there's no doubt that he has been raised from the dead. He sat right up. And then we have the woman, as so many miracles in the Bible, we have 
someone going from total despair to total joy. To total joy. Her son has been raised from the dead by Jesus Christ. How could he do it? Because he is God. Why did he do it? Because he had compassion. And then look at the response. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. You see, he helps him down from that funeral beer. Helps him down and leads him to his mother. Says, here's your son. So this woman, caught up in the morning, thought, my husband's dead. I'm a widow. I relied on my son. I loved him. He was the last thing I had in this world. Now he's died. This, this, this crazy man comes along and starts stopping the funeral and interfering and saying kind of platitudes. But he raises my son from the dead. It's stunning. So Jesus spoils the funeral. Doesn't really spoil it. And he dries the tears of this, of this woman. Stop crying. In that culture, she would have been walking in front of the coffin. That's how it, that's how it went. Uh, she would be walking in front, as the minister does today. When I do a funeral, I walk in front. In that culture, the widow walked in front. So can you imagine, she's walking in front of this huge crowd with a dead son behind her, and then she sees the joyful, happy crowd coming, and this Jesus man, what must Jesus have been like to see? Fully God, fully man. So can you just, just feel that confusion, but then feel this amazing miracle that was done? And then Jesus, by touching it, remember, according to Numbers 19, 11, and 16, he would have contaminated himself touching a, a dead body. But he did it because he's king of kings and he's lord of lords. The man got up. Nothing is said. We don't, we don't hear what the dead man said. What would you say if you woke up in your funeral? What would you say? Jesus says, and as I say in the original, it's with great authority. I say to you. I say to you. Get up. It's great authority. Who is this that can tell a dead person to get up? What kind of authority is that? My first point of application is, if someone can raise people from the dead and control life and death, you don't mess with that person. You respect that person because he is king of kings and he is lord of lords. And he gave him to his mother. Look at the concern for the widow. The concern for the widow is shown in these, these little gestures. The reminder of Elijah's raising of the widow's son. We don't have time to look there. Back in, back in the Old Testament. He gave him back to his mother. And then look at the response. Look at the reaction. They're reacting as if they are in the presence of God, which they are in the presence of God. They are in the presence of God. And notice what happens when God works, when Jesus works, and that applies today, when God works. Fear. They were all filled with awe or fear. 
and praised God. So we have fear there. And they glorified God. It's recognition and then the return of praise. Look at this great thing has been done. And then this other great acclamation. God has come to help his people. God has come to help his people. Or it was a Jewish concept. God has visited his people. Very familiar concept for, for, for Jews. When the blessing came, God has visited. That's what we want in our lives. That's what we want in our country, don't we? We want God to visit. God to work. God does all the work. God is all-powerful. God can do anything. We want God to visit us. And look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Death is hard. Death is tough. But death for the Christian is a passage only to eternal life. It is a passage. It is a way and a means of going from earth to heaven. And the other point of application is what kind of God do we serve? You know, what's God like? Does he, does he, did he, you know, what would happen if Jesus Christ came here and, and, and sat down toe-to-toe, knee-to-knee with you? What would he say to you? Did you read your Bible today? Did you pray? You know, did you come to church last week? Are you going to church tonight? What do you think Jesus Christ would say to you? What kind of God do we serve? Is he cruel and unkind? We see here what God is like. What kind of God do we serve? He is a God, if you're a Christian, and if everyone here is a Christian believer, he is with you at your lowest point. Is he going to raise our loved ones from the dead at funerals? Very, very probably not. Jesus Christ did these great miracles to demonstrate, in the context here, it's to show the disciples of John the Baptist, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah. God can do anything. God raised Lazarus from the dead. His friend Lazarus, but Lazarus would have died again. This boy would have died again. There would have been a point when he died again. But when we look at this, and my title for my sermon, I'm useless at, at titles, I can't remember what I even told Sharon, but it, it's, the, it's the power of Christ and the compassion of Christ. What kind of God do we serve? He is with us at our lowest point. Think of that widow. Think of her stress. Think of her sadness. And there's Jesus Christ. And look what he did. All the power, all the compassion. So, when you're going through life, Christian, my little children's talk, all things work together for good. There is a point where Jesus will say to you, this is too much. He knows our limits. He knows how far we can suffer. He knows how much we can bear. We have a compassionate God. If you're going through a tough time of trial at this moment, please remember that. Jesus Christ has all power. He can do anything. Well, why doesn't he do anything? Because you have to trust him. He knows what he's doing, and he will do all things well. And that's not easy. That's not easy. And then, if life is fine, if you're on the mountaintop, and you have no problems at all, and you're praising the Lord all the day long, you need to remember these truths because as Corrie ten Boom said, that 
great Christian lady from Holland. You're either going in to a time trial and problem, or you're in one, or you're coming out of one. Remember Corrie Ten Boone says, she says it in the book or uh, in the film, The Hiding Place, there is no pit so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. Jesus meets us at our time of need. And he is there and he is all powerful. What we have to do is we have to realize that. And then what we often do not realize is our worst moments are times for when the Lord is going to work. Our worst moments are when the Lord is going to work. I can only speak for me, but uh, you know, uh, at Cologne we had a, a very difficult time. My, my dear, dear goddaughter Jemima was killed in a skiing accident. And it's tough. And it's hard. And it's difficult. And we sometimes ask why. And God's not about giving explanations. God gives promises. And he says, I'm in control. And often he says to us, our worst moments are opportunities for him to do his best work. And we trust him. We trust him. All power. All authority. Unconditional love. Jesus Christ loves you unconditionally, Christian. Isn't that great? I don't love you unconditionally. You don't love me unconditionally. <laughs> we can't do it, but Jesus Christ does. Paul says in, in you know, Ephesians uh, 3, you know, I pray you may be able to know the height, depth, breadth of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ loves you, and he has all power. So why is this happening to me? Why can't Jesus show up at our worst times, raise our loved ones? Why? Why, why, why do Christians have to suffer? Ultimately, we trust he does all things well. He knows what he's doing. We don't understand. That widow did not understand that morning what had happened to her. And Jesus Christ met her at her greatest time of need. A person who raises the dead has no hopeless situations if you follow him. No hopeless situations. So look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at it. Think about it. Meditate about it. And understand Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He knew her plight. And it shows Jesus is Lord over that great enemy. The last enemy, death itself. I hope you know Jesus Christ. If you don't, look what you're missing. What else is there if, there, if, there's, if there's no God? Jesus is king. He rules and reigns. The Gospels declare. The Gospels don't really say, you know, this, you come to Jesus. They say, this is what God has done. It's a declaration. It's a proclamation. The gospel is a proclamation. Uh, the gospel, the way they're written, it, it's written as if, you know, it's like a military commander reading a proclamation. We have conquered this land. It's God saying, I've sent my son Jesus Christ into this world. And he's the master of life and death. He knows the day you're going to die. He's king of kings, lord of all. 
total authority. We look at this world and we think, is God in control? Yes, he is. We don't understand everything. He is in control. And the question is, we need to bow and surrender to Jesus Christ, repent of our sin, and trust him for our salvation, based on what he did on the cross. Think of Jesus on the cross when he died there. No one came along to him and got him out of that one. Jesus Christ, we read, sweat blood in the garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was going to the cross, just before he was there with his disciples, saying, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass me by. Jesus Christ was going to be punished for our sin. People without Christ go to hell. Hell is a horrible place. It's a just punishment for our sins. And if we don't go there, Someone has to pay the price. Paul says in the book of Romans, God spared not his son, but gave him up for us all. Jesus Christ was smitten and punished, broken. He was spat upon, nailed on a cross, naked, bleeding. And then God punished him for our sin. The punishment inflicted on the Lord Jesus Christ would be the same as if it had come to us in hell for all eternity. How does God do it? How does God take the punishment for my sin? Which is eternal suffering in hell. How does he take that magnitude of suffering and lift it and place it on Christ? So if Jonathan Sell was in hell forever, being punished for his sins, which he deserves, that's horrible, isn't it? That's horrible. That's unspeakable horror. And then we think, if Jonathan Sell is redeemed and saved, then that block of punishment is put on Jesus Christ. The same. How can God do it? How can God take everlasting suffering in hell and just rain it down on Christ on the cross. That's what he did, because Christ is infinite. Do you see what he did? And that's the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. i leave you just with these words. The power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord, curios, all power, life and death, heaven and hell. He can melt this world in a second. Created everything. There are quasars. They are super bright stars. And they discovered a quasar. That's what they're called. There's no scientists here. There's one at Freshbrook. I have to be careful when I'm there. Uh, one quasar they have found emits as much energy as one trillion of our suns. Imagine the power of this sun here multiplied by one trillion. And that's just a little burning matter that God makes. His power is unlimited. The power of Jesus, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. And that compassion and power of Christ, and we have to trust him, we have to know what he's doing, 
I know some of you have gone through such terrible and such hard times, but the truth remains. He is powerful, but he's all wise. Jesus Christ is infinitely wise, and we have to trust him that he knows what to do. And I just close with the thought of that widow again. There, marching down the road, probably in his white, Jesus was a rabbi, his flowing robes. There she is. And the God of this universe, for this moment in time, the God that made everything, the God that created all of us, the God who, when you've been in heaven for a billion, billion, trillion years, you will still not understand what he's like. You will still not understand his love. That God walked down a road towards a woman leading her son out for burial. And he said, nope. And he had compassion on her. What an amazing story. How can the Bible be boring? This is true. And Jesus is here for everyone. His power, his compassion, and his love are available for all. So why don't we feel it? Because we don't know him. We don't know him. We need to know him more, need to understand him more. The more you learn about Christ, the more you understand about Christ, how much he loves you, his power, his goodness, his glory, his wisdom, the more you will just be captivated and that's what you will do in heaven. That's what you will do in heaven. It's what my dear, beloved goddaughter Jemima does in heaven. She's there now. Transfixed. Jesus Christ. Power, beauty, glory. And it's something that just goes on and on and on. We get to heaven and we see Jesus and we just stand there in amazement. For all eternity, you just gaze upon the beauty of Jesus Christ. Jonathan Edwards says, Jesus Christ in heaven will be in a way like he was with the disciples. We'll go up to him. Who is the meekest and most humble person in heaven? Jesus Christ. The most lowly. Jesus changes not. Then who is the most glorious person in heaven? Jesus Christ. He's King of kings, Lord of lords, dwelling in unapproachable light. And also, I believe, Jonathan Edwards, who was very clever, cleverer than I, said you'll be able to walk up to Jesus as the disciples did. Walk up and talk to him. Eat. I don't know how it will all work out, but it will. And you will worship him. It will be so good and so great. Why doesn't God appear to us? Why doesn't Jesus appear to us? You couldn't bear it. We couldn't bear it. We couldn't bear the presence of Christ. In times of revival, people don't say, oh, Jesus is present in our building. You know, let's sing a bunch of songs. When you read accounts of revival, people are just struck with awe and amazement. You know, you tremble when God shows up, when Jesus shows up. And we will. We, if we want more of Christ, he will come to us. Praise be to the Lord. Let's be focused on, on heaven. But let's remember we have a duty to do here on earth. We are to serve him. We need to make sure people know about Jesus because there's a heaven to gain and a hell to lose. Let's be determined to become nearer to Christ. Love him more. The blessing that will come pouring into your lives will be incredible. When you're near Christ, you want nothing else. 
nearness to Christ. You want nothing else. Everything else will fade away. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ, he has to be real.